By the way, do you know what we're you know what we're doing on this show? I, I, I just pulled up the show sheet. Oh, I was hoping <laughs> you hadn't seen the show sheet yet and thought that I had no clue. That was the first thing I did because I didn't see a text. I forgot my phone at home. So I got home at like 7.55. I'm like, oh, fuck. I see, I saw no text from you. I'm like, oh, shit. I wonder if you forgot to. <laughs> nope. nope. Welcome to Beerfield, where we didn't forget the show script, but we only made it 20 minutes before the show. I am Beerfield Hop with Beerfield Theory. Beer Fuel, Beerfield. I'm Beerfield. He's Beerfuel. Boom. Boom. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I actually spent the majority of my time after I got off work making an eye appointment because I snapped my glasses right Oof. down the middle. So this is actually an old script. That's like a nine-year-old script, so my eyes hurt a little bit today. That sucks. Yeah, a little bit. Um, but, you know, it doesn't suck, the fact that we got a show for you today. Um, you know, it also doesn't suck, the Fantasy Football Expo in Canton, Ohio. Uh, so, a lot of good names going to be at that one. I think uh, if you're plugged into the fantasy world at, at all, there's going to be somebody there that you want to see. So, uh, it could be us. I don't know why, but it could be us. It could be Matt Hicks. It could be the headliners. It could be Ball Blast. You never know, but we're all going to be there. So, um, yeah, if you haven't, if you're going to be in the area, if you're looking for a weekend trip, want to come talk some, make a Hall of Fame weekend out of it, go see the Hall of Fame Saturday, come to the Expo Sunday, head back home, whatever, be sure to come out there and see us. I believe, uh, I don't know the website offhand. But it's FF online. Expo, isn't it ffexpo.com? I think it's ffexpo.com. Uh, you can get tickets there. So be sure to come check us out. Dan and I will be hanging out. Love booth there. Uh, we'll have more, some more fun things to do this year than we did last year. I'm going to prep for it a little bit more. A little bit more yeah. cash flow now that I'm not buying a house since, or two years ago. A little bit more cash flow than two years ago. So we'll have some yeah. cool shit going on there. It'll be a fun time. We'll be hanging out on, on Saturday with a bunch of folk. Probably just tearing it up being slums and expo on sunday so yeah good shit hell yeah hell yeah hell yeah i Things. never actually pulled up the show script there we are <laughs> we're always we're we are always prepared never we organized. always ready to go we are never organized and there's nothing organized about the show it's just gonna be a grab bag of items but the one thing that's always the same we're drinking What's fueling beer fueled? Dan, what are you drinking? I am drinking. So, for those of you who may not know, which is probably a lot of you, <laughs> I went back to Minnesota this past weekend. We had my my grandpa's celebration of life, so I made an impromptu trip back there, and. Uh, Minnesota has figured their craft beer shit out. They had fucking hot butcher and more brewing, which is astonishing for a state that doesn't get a whole lot of craft brewers out of their own. But we don't have those on today because when you go back to your home state, you want to bring back your home product. So today I have 
Montgomery from Montgomery Brewing, which is out of Montgomery, Minnesota. It's a uh, fruit monster. Fruit as in P-H-R-U-I-T monster. This is a kettle sour with pink guava, raspberry, marshmallow, and lactose. This is a, uh, a true-on-true fruited sour. Clocks in at 8%, um, which is probably true, unless you're going the 450 route, then it's totally a lie. But as as a uh, fruited kettle sour, this it's not as slurmy or, you know, like heavily fruited smoothie sour. So it's well, I, I've had this before. In by like before, like I had it over the weekend, but I want to have it on for you guys this, you know, for the show today. So pumped. So totally not planned. We are one hundred percent in the same ballpark, actually. Um, I uh, was recently down in Kentucky doing a, a barrel pick, so not local to Kentucky, but regional. This beer is out of Cincinnati, Ohio. It's from Urban Artifact, and it's called Squeeze Box. It's a strawberry Midwest fruit tart, um, with strawberries and vanilla uh this is actually three thousand pounds of strawberries and 60 grams of vanilla beans per 30 per 30 barrel batch so ton of strawberries in this stuff uh eight checks in at 8.6 percent and they actually list the ph on here too but checks in at 8.6 percent it's a tart so not quite sour but it's apparently fruited sours all fruited uh sour and or tart beers all around with a shit ton of adjuncts so that's what we're doing today that is the uh that is a big style today. It's going to be a hundred degrees out tomorrow, so fruited's about the only way to go because you ain't drinking anything <laughs> heavy. I have to. Uh, I get to work a golf course and hand beer to golfers. So, oh, that tomorrow's a god awful day for a golf tournament. Yeah, I mean, I'm not playing obviously, but I get to sit in a chair in- underneath the tent with no AC, but I get to hand out beer. You should get a tent. You should get one of those fans, those battery powered fans that like missed you. I should. They're nine Maybe. bucks at Walgreens or Home Depot. That would be fun. I probably should do that. You shout should. out to uh, shout out to Darren. Darren is uh, he's also going to the expo, and he has, uh, he's he's playing in the same division as I am for the Scott Fishbowl. It must so, be nice to be in Scott Fishbowl. At least Nick didn't get in this year either. I don't think so. Oh, <laughs> uh, there's still I think there's still there's still some time. invites left. I'm yeah. sure. That's all right. I'm probably I've accepted that I'm getting shafted for the second year in a row after two straight in there. But let's say like like. You know, first off, all cool it is that we have two fans of the show playing at least with one of us. No, it is that is really awesome. Like, like in the same division, that that I mean, I'm totally happy about that. Don't get me wrong; that is really, really yeah, yeah. freaking cool. And I will never be bitter about making oh, yeah, that no, league of because of what that league goes to do. But if there's one thing I'm good at, it's pretending to be bitter. <laughs> so, do you hear what? Uh, do you hear what? Uh, 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 Matthew Berry is now doing for the Scott. I Fish saw Club? that. Yeah. Yeah. Which has also stirred up some controversy. There was one guy that got, you know, pissed off that you have to pay a thousand dollars. You have to donate a thousand dollars to charity uh, to the Jimmy V Foundation to have a chance to play in the division with Matt Barry. Or not that Why a chance that? to you have to earn a spot then donate. And he got mad because I guess he was pissed that Matthew Barry was promoting a, you know, was trying to like coerce people into donating money which is 
That's what charity is about. That's like, what charity is for. Like, when you're like, a if you can't afford it, it's okay. Like, then don't. Uh, when you're a celebrity, that's what you use your stature for is to coerce people into donating money into char- to charity. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what else to say. I mean, that's, that's literally what you do when you have stature to do stuff that's good. I mean, JJ Watt didn't go out and donate millions of dollars he raised it because he's a celebrity with stature and he has a following i mean that's just what you do yeah like it, it, it's like oh, he's i get it like if you want to play it. like what's cool about scott fishbowl on top of all the money that it, it raises for the various uh toys for tots yeah like toys for tots plus all on top of the large amount of uh charities that people donate to just because they want to it like like you know, like in support for Scott Fishbowl, it allows people to play with their idols within the actual you know fancy football community. So don't be mad just because you can't play with Matthew Barry. Like he's doing this as a way to help promote more, you know, and it's giving back and whatnot. It's so. still an honor to get invited too. I mean, they have thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of invites, and it's a small fraction of percentage of people that make it into the league. Period. So. You know. Anyway, cry about it, I guess. Right. Uh, speaking of crying, we're just going to go through these in whatever way I can segue into them. Speaking of crying, do you see Cole Beasley's Twitter rant? No. What did he do this time? So, he's pissed off because the NFLPA announced their vaccinated versus non-vaccinated COVID oh, protocols. I saw, so, I saw that. Um, Beasley's... I guess pissed off because I guess now a vaccinated person can go out and maybe get it and then endanger him as a non-vaccinated person. And then it's dumb that he has to follow those rules because he's not vaccinated. And here, let me just pull this up because it's going to be better for me to read than paraphrase. Yeah, I'm pulling it up. Okay, I'm seeing everything else. The Players Association is a joke. Call it something different. It's not for the players. Everyone gives me the 98% of the people who are vaccinated don't get COVID again. The odds of me getting in the NFL and playing for 10 years are lower than that. I'm Because here. that's the same thing, right? Yeah, right. So what are we really talking about? I understand completely why the NFL is doing this. It gives them back the freedom to make the most money as possible, again, if everyone is vaccinated. But will anyone fight for the players or not? So here's the thing, right? You can't have it both fucking ways if you're a player. The players are bitching about not wanting to do OTAs and wanting to do them remotely because of COVID and the threat of COVID. And you remember that whole goddamn thing yep. from two months ago when vaccines weren't widely rolled out, widely available. A lot of people didn't have them. You know, it's still going to be dangerous to go to training camp. It's still going to be dangerous to go to OTAs. We're going to do them remote. We're going to hold out. All these swaths of people are going to hold out. And now you're saying that nobody's looking out for the players because you're allowed to show up what because you're allowed to i i don't understand like nobody's looking out for the players we're mad we have to show up and now it's a problem that i have to get vaccinated i guess i just don't understand that like it, it it's I, like it, it, a it's, circular it's argument like it's like they're so pissed off because it, it's like well it hasn't it hasn't gone through like large amount of testing and all this stuff like we're not on COVID one guys this isn't COVID one this isn't the first strain of of this virus like 
this is COVID like this is COVID nineteen. Like we've like they've 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 done stuff for this for years. Like they had to like push this through trials and through testing because we got to get vaccines out so we can get back to fucking normal. It, it's like we're no doctors, obviously, so we're not going to speak on this in terms of of that side. But what I will like, say is this though: you're employed. You're employed by an organization, and just like my fucking employer. Same thing, right? You're vaccinated. You don't have to wear a mask. You don't have to socially distance. You're good. All bets are off. You're not vaccinated or you haven't reported your vaccination status. You do. And there's accountability if you break that, which is, I mean, it's not like you're going to get fired most likely, but you're going to have at least your building access shut off and everything so that you can't go in and endanger others. You, it's not an ethical choice. You are still an employee, an overpaid baby back bitch of an employee, but you're still an employee who has to live and play by the merits of your employer. So, yeah, you have the freedom of choice. Nobody's saying you have to do this. But like everything else you have the freedom of choice for, your choices lead to different consequences or different privileges or whatever the case may be. So Lil Cole can play the fucking victim because they're telling him he's got to get vaccinated or I have to socially distance and wear a mask and contact tracing and continuously be tested and blah, blah, blah. That big fucking concern. Get the vaccine or shut the fuck up because it's ultimately your choice. It's laid out to you. Make your choice. Don't go cry that oh, it's not fair. Go release another bad fucking rap song. It's bad. No, I I don't like how the NFL is trying so hard. Like the countless like interview questions asking these players if they're vaccinated. Like they're they're they're, they're trying to like drum up controversy. Mm-hmm. Like this, like it's pr- like. I'm glad when like Justin Herbert comes out and like, you know, says that he's vaccinated said that like he does it because he should, or like, you know, Bruce Arians, you know, comes out like in support of getting the vaccine because he wants to get things back to normal. Like, it's not like this is like some out of like the blue shit. Like we're all going to fucking die or get some shit out of it. But it's, 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 it's just insane how many people are so against this. And I'll play the other side of it too. If you're against it, just, Say you're against it. Don't go on, but you don't got to go on Twitter playing the fucking victim. Anthony Rizzo did this earlier this week and went out and basically said, yo, you know, I'm a cancer survivor. I get it. I'm high risk. But at the same time, I want to see more data on this vaccine over. I'm not opposed to it long term, but I want to see more data on this and its effect in, in cancer survivors in six months is just six months of it being out is just not enough to make me comfortable with that yet. And until then, I'll abide by whatever protocols are in place, I'll continue to listen to doctors and what I have to do. It wasn't nobody's playing the victim, not playing the victim, not playing life isn't fair, saying, yeah, I have that decision. I'm making the decision. This is why I'm making the decision. Now, he doesn't owe us, the fans, yeah, an explanation to why he's making that decision, but he gave it, and then go on about it. It's the understanding of being a goddamn adult that is, I have a decision to make, and I made this decision, and I understand that by making that decision, this is now what I have to live by, and I'm okay with that because it's ultimately my decision, and I made that choice. Not playing the goddamn victim like 
fucking Cole Beasley is. Exactly. Sad, because Cole Beasley's the under... Like, you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain, and Cole Beasley is living long enough to see himself become the villain <laughs> from the underdog. Well, thankfully, he's getting a world um, amount of shit thrown at him for this uh, Twitter tirade that he decided yeah. to go on. He is. Like, no one's on his side. It's, it's pretty funny. Yep. I saw one guy. I think his name was Robert or something. <laughs> and he definitely, like, looked like the type of person that would be against that. Anyway, um, so I wanted to give you a chance here, Dan. Sure. I'm going to read a piece of news, and okay. I want to give you a chance to recycle one of your worst takes over the last couple of years. My worst takes? One of them. One of them. Oh, boy. One of, in hindsight, worst takes, I guess. It was justified at the time in okay. your mind. In my mind. Cortland Sutton won't start training camp on the pump, pump as he recovers from a torn ACL. I mean, he's he didn't tear it. He, what, he tore it, what, week one? I, I Nothing about week route two? running, changing direction, being concerned about recovery time when he's not starting on the pump. I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe he'll all start off, off season. Maybe he'll start off hot and then get trailed away towards the end of the season. That's the opposite take. I mean, I mean that's what happened to Cup too, right? Like Cup got supplanted when the Rams went more into twelve personnel and decided to run out Josh Reynolds. Uh, over Cup. I don't think that was. I think that was the year the, after. Hold on. That was the, um, that um, was that year. I'm pulling. Like Cup was, like Cup was dominant for the first like six weeks. I think he still finished as a top, like a top ten receiver, but it went from like, did. like eighty percent snap shares and like that was when. Yeah, really went through his injury problems too. Like, uh, he was. I, I mean, he was relatively consistent. He right? was touchdown dependent. I think towards the end of the year, he only he had got like he only had three touchdowns all season. That it, was last year. I'm talking about when I'm he actually came the year. back from his ACL injury. No, I'm looking. Oh wait, I am looking at the wrong one. You're looking me, at the wrong year then. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I year, think he had like on. 14 touchdowns that year. He, he had, had 10. And it wasn't at the end of it. He was one, two, three, four. Yeah, five. One touchdown in each of his last five games. Uh, but it wasn't. That's nuts, actually. That that's. But actually it, it also wasn't totally touchdown dependent, especially in PPR, which is where you like Cooper Cup. I mean, he was seven to ten for ninety nine in in week seventeen, week thirteen, six to six for sixty five. Uh, six to six for forty one. I mean, your PPR ten plus points in most of those. He had one goose egg in the middle of the season. He did start off very hot. You're right there. He had over which, and really that was kind of the counterpoint to argument with Cup though, because your argument was he'll start slow and pick up and drop yeah. off towards the end of the season, and it went totally yep. bass backwards on you, which is why I like the razzing because he came out and had. Let's see. He was over 100 yards in four of his first five games. He had four touchdowns in his first five games, and then he had a 220-yard game in week eight before it started to slow down a little bit. So, yeah, like it, like it was the exact opposite of what Holy most shit. people most people thought of that year. His catch rate from week ten on that year, he. 
only didn't catch seven targets. He was a hundred percent catch rate in five of the last seven weeks. He just wasn't getting targeted. He wasn't getting snaps. Like you look at 13, 73, 34, 92 is obviously great to see. 58, 64. It, it, it was this odd. It was weird. It was this odd year. Like, in all seriousness, uh, Cort- Cortland Sutton's a value. He's he's always a value. He's always a value. And just wait until Teddy Bridgewater goes out there. You can actually put an accurate football on his hands. Like he's going to be shocked. He doesn't have to make these these crazy jump ball catches with you know with you know with Drew Locke out there. <laughs> yeah, but then he you know if Teddy Bridgewater is on the football, he's only running Locke. only running five yards deep. That's true. There's a video of Drew, of Drew Locke out there shooting. He's shooting free throws or or something. He's got like this pretty form, so people are all like hyped about him. I mean, we should just quit football and start, you know, become a jump shooter. Is there anything to not be hyped about with Drew Lock? <sighs> Ever? I mean, there's. You are like the lone fan club. Right? Like you're the lone member of the Drew Lock fan club. Yes. I'm not the only one. There's at least <laughs> one more out there. All right, let's shift years here for a second. I want to talk beer for a second. So you got something okay. big coming up Saturday. I do. So, so oh yeah, sorry, you can go. I was just gonna say, like, so you got a tap takeover coming up. So yeah. for uh, why don't you let the people that don't know what a tap takeover is in the beer world, why it's good, how it works, what's cool about it, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, so a tap takeover is kind of what it sounds like. It's when a bar or restaurant or whatever decides to have a, a handful of, of taps or kegs on from a certain brewery. So there's a brewery down where Hopper, there's a restaurant down where Hopper lives by that is putting on a handful of distilled kegs who I work for. And this is a great way to help drum up business around the area because you promote it. Like this is a distill is going to put on three or four kegs here. We're going to help, you know, promote, you know, more craft brewery out here and allow us to get people back in, in, in to kind of be themselves. But it's great for the brewery because you are now putting on, you know, three, four, five different, you know, kegs on to help promote your beer, which is, which is going to help grow awareness around the area that's doing the tap takeover. Top of that, now, people like me, who is the sales rep in that area, will be handing out free merch, you know, free swag. I don't say merch, but free swag. And it's a it's a good way to kind of drum up easy promotion for the brewery and also drive in, in higher business for the restaurants. And people like That's me that more. live a half mile away get to just go in there and yeah. slum it up and get some free swag and drink beer. Yeah, like you're you're like you're, and you're basically out. telling your you know your customers there we're gonna put on some good beers because generally during these tap takeovers you get you you don't put on the basics you're not putting on one of their their year round beers this is when the good stuff generally comes out. Yep, so it's we're getting some good beers. You need to come in here for this. It gets hyped up. It's gonna be a fun time. Yep, like you get like free glassware. You, you can get some free coasters, some free stickers. You know, some places will get, will actually give out just you know, free shirts, hats, and it's also a good way because you'll generally do these during another promotional, during like a a a, 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 a a a trivia night or some sort of 
Are they doing a bigger some... promotion? They drive in more business to get more people in. Are they doing something else on Saturday too? They're not, but okay. It's going to be. I try to. Just wanted to know what I should be prepared for. Um, it's going to be. You just show up. You can I'm buy sure. three or four. I think there's six different. I think there's five different kegs. I think. So I'm going to show up and drink cans. some beer and eat some food and hang out and get a sticker for my geezer. Is what's going to happen. Pretty much, and some maybe some coasters. Yeah, yeah, I get some shit. I, I I know a guy. Yes, I know a guy. I know this guy. All right, more more NFL because it's training camp and there's not a lot of news, but there's weirdly some news. First off, uh, the era of the diva wide receiver is it? Unless you're Cole Beasley, is it dead? Allen Robinson, Devontae Adams, not planning to hold out for contracts. They're both going to report and play and be happy about making a boatload of money. I mean, as they should, Adams is coming into the later part of his prime. Just try to get as much money as you can. Robinson is now being paired with the second best quarterback from this class. And hopefully the Bears don't fuck it up because they have a great young duo between Fields and Robinson. Yeah, no, he is being paired with the third best quarterback in this class, and it should be an upgrade. Second best quarterback. (laughs) Third. And it it should be an upgrade for, uh, should be an upgrade for, for Allen Robinson and, you know, hopefully help him be as good as people think he is. But at the same time, you know, you're happy to see it. He's playing for his next contract, playing for some stability. You know, it says that the, there's not necessarily a ton of bad blood there. Um, things that don't necessarily make sense. Zach Taylor, uh, Joe Mixon is uh, going to split third downs. Doesn't need to be on the field for 75% of snaps. I mean, I disagree because there's nobody there. So Maj P. Ryan. Worth, like, supplanting Joe Mixon. But what's great about in today's NFL, Mixon yeah. can... Uh, command the bulk load of the targets, the backfield, then it doesn't matter. Even if it's 65 like, to 70% of the snaps, not it, 75, it, you're still in yeah. great shape with Joe Mixon. So. Like, you know, uh, Delvin Cook has made his hay. Like, Elvin Kamir have, have made their hay on this low to mid, uh, you know, you know, low to mid opportunity to share mm-hmm. to where they're getting all the targets in the backfield, which is what is the main, you know, like you want running backs to get targets in, like in fantasy football. It's not not that hard. Yep. And if Samaje P. Ryan's coming in to spell Joe Mixon on occasion, then it just means Mixon might be healthier. Which is good for good for everybody. All the truthers out there. Good for everybody. All right. On to the Jets. So, it, again, it's OTAs. We're going to make fun of this in a little bit on everything that comes out of OTAs. But there is something to know really for I, I feel like there's real implications on this for two players based on what we're seeing at a Jets camp. So Corey Davis uh, went to the sideline for the Jets. No word on an injury or anything. Just might have been done for the day. And the receiver set they went with did not include Denzel Mims. Actually, Denzel Mims has taken no first-team reps this offseason, and he's a guy that a lot of people was immediately going to slide in outside opposite Corey Davis with Elijah Moore in the slot. But when Davis went off the field... It was actually Braxton Berrios coming on in the slot and Elijah Moore moving outside. So is this an indictment on Mims? Are they just trying to see how they can deploy more and see what he can do on the outside against, you know, I don't know that the Jets have an NFL defense, but you get it. And, yeah, you know, it's obviously good for Elijah Moore. I mean, like, that's the big takeaway. It's that Moore is basically commanding – all first team reps. Uh, Jamison Crowder, who 
who is going to take a little bit of a little bit of less money to stay with the team. So he like he will be there for twenty. <laughs> they asked him to so take we, a fifty percent pay cut. That ain't a yeah. little bit. Which true, which he is taking. Yeah. Um. It's it sounds like he will reconstruct his contract. I'm not saying I, I've not seen much into it, like at all. Like we're in the heart of just OTAs where they may be trying out different formations to see what they have. If this lasts through training camp and preseason, mm-hmm. sure, we'll be on we'll be on to something then. But Mins is bigger than most of the receivers in you know on this team. I can't you know, I can't fathom seeing Mims and Davis on the outside and three receiver sets. Maybe Mims won't be there on two receiver sets. Maybe it will be Davis and more, which is what it should be. Um, but we'll see how the Jets handle this. It's not like they're the smartest, you know, team in the league here, you know, making all the best decisions. So No, and the in the you know, the other one there's Keelan Cole. Like Mims is a bigger, more athletic receiver than Keelan Cole. So I mean We'll Maybe get the to, most athletic guy on that team outside of like, yeah that team, but like most re- athletic receiver within that you know right within that depth chart he is so and we'll get to veterans having to or rookies or second year players having to quote unquote fight for roster spots with veterans here in a minute and why a lot of times in training camp that's bullshit yeah um so I learned some things last night and this is kind of fantasy or football related too because uh. We did a, um, so we did a, my homebrew club did a round robin draft of ingredients to use in beers. And then last night was the tasting of said beers where, um, you had to draft a specialty mop and a specialty mop, a specialty malt, an adjunct and a hop to put in a beer. And then everything was tasted, rated, graded. And you got some weird combinations here. Um, there are 15 different beers and let's just say I learned some stuff. So the first thing I learned, spearmint should not go in anything that isn't a damn stout or any (laughs) form of mint should not go in anything that isn't a stout to combat that mint, that mint, because it it just tastes like you're drinking beer after chewing a piece of gum and it is not good. Oof. Like not good at all. Sweet potatoes. Sweet potato ales and pumpkin ales are more about the spices that are added to them than about the actual adjunct you're added to them because if you just add sweet potato, it tastes like you licked the ground. <laughs> so learn that one. Again, things I didn't know that that I uh, necessarily needed to know. Avocado makes for a really, really weirdly fruity bubblegum note. Really? Yeah, I don't know how that worked out, but it worked out that way. Somehow, some way, it worked out that way. Black licorice is not a desirable flavor in anything, ever. Nowhere in the history of ever has black licorice been something you want. (laughs) Um, If you, and and this might have been me and my brewing partner doing this one. If you ask a brewer to garnish your beer with Lucky Charms marshmallows, they might tell you, this is the low light of my career. Because that's what happened. We had a beer that you had, we had to use Lucky Charms marshmallows in. That was one of our special ingredients. The problem with Lucky Charms marshmallows is they're sugar. Sugar ferments, regardless of how or when you use it, it ferments. Yep. You don't get marshmallow flavor by using real marshmallows. 
It's a malt, right? Or no? Is it a yeast? Uh, there's a malt that does it, and then okay. mostly it's just vanilla and people faking it. That's fair. Because all the marshmallows is vanilla and sugar. Um, or it's after fermentation has stopped. Okay. And your yeast during the bottom of the trough, you've moved it off, and then a little bit of it might ferment out, but not a ton. Um, so that's a thing. And I feel like there are more things here, but those were the, those to me were the big takeaways. Also, ranch doesn't go in beer, but we learned that a couple weeks ago. Oh. We learned that ranch does not actually belong in everything that you mm-hmm. want it to be belong in. So don't yep. put ranch on ice cream or beer. Um, some things that do go well in things, flaked maize, normally not a bad thing. You know, corn notes and beer is actually pretty good most of the time. Yep. Actually, I had one that tasted like straight corn on the cob, which was interesting, but not in a bad mm-hmm. way because it was like super light. Um, peppers and smoked malt, good. Smoked malt in the light beer, be careful with it, but it was actually pulled off well. Um, but, you know, chipotle peppers and smoked malt go well together. Again, a little weird in the light beer, but, you know. <laughs> Just some things to consider if you're ever uh, beer shopping or putting stuff together. So there you go. That's my my diatribe on things I learned last night while tasting beers that were fantasy drafted to be brewed. And, like, there's also a scenario where I think people just make shit up, like Black Imperial Saison. Yep. Okay. I mean... It was good. I love when they say Sorry. like Black Imperial Farmhouse Imperial. Saison. I love when they say like Imperial, like higher ABV than you're expecting. I mean, that's well, that in yeah, you just basically just make the beer more loud, yeah. in a sense, just higher ABV than the style would normally call for. So you got to call it Imperial, apparently. Right? Exactly. Um. Okay, let's flip it up. You want to talk some training camp cliches because these are hilarious to me. Let's let's do it. All right. So, some cliches for you. Dak Prescott says Zeke Elliott is in the best shape of his life. Yay! I do. I do like Zeke this year, though. I do. Yeah. I, well, if anything, only because he's going to be of value by his standards because of how shit Dallas, how shit the run game was last year in Dallas. Yeah, at least that division will be better. We should yeah. hopefully see a little more shootouts or high-scoring games in there. Yeah, but uh, best shape of his life news, by the way, or looks faster than ever, or stronger than ever, or lighter, or put on muscle, and this, that, and the other, never holds any weight when evaluating a player. Ever. Oh. Ever. Never. Texans need to, quote, do a better job establishing the run for the offensive coordinator, which is an obvious statement because they were 32nd in the run last year. <laughs> <laughs> I can't so, wait I mean, to see more David Johnson, Mark Ingram, and Philip Lindsay. You can't um, really go the worst team in football. You can't really go anywhere but up. Yeah, that was kind of the point that was made when I saw that saw that tweet. Is um, I mean, gonna be hard to establish the run when you're playing from behind in the second quarter of every game. Just yeah, you have fun where Watson or uh, Davis Mills is yeah. throwing fifty times Davis in the second Mills. half. Oh, God. By the way, weirdly quiet on the Watson front. I know, right? It's been, what, like two and a half months? Since we heard anything. Nothing. About that. Interesting. 
The last thing we heard was uh, Rusty Harden, his attorney, telling, you know, calling the other dude basically a liar in the news and basically standing behind, yeah, I know all this shit's fabricated and it's gone, gone silent. It's gone silent since. It has indeed. Uh, another cliche you'll see a lot during training camp season and through the offseason, rookie quarterbacks not being handed started jobs. A couple examples of this. Brian Schottenheimer has not decided if Trevor Lawrence is going to be the Jaguars quarterback one. <laughs> Mac Jones got no first-team reps in one day of practice and then had the most first-team reps in the next day of practice. Looks like the best quarterback in camp. Justin Fields, Matt Nagy. No way Justin Fields is our starter. There's there's zero chance that he opens his quarterback one. Trey Lance will have every chance to rise up the depth chart. I love it. It's like they're trying so hard to create smoke. It's and every one of us is like, just what are you trying to get advantage of? Like everyone knows. It's just the illusion of you get handed nothing in this league, so you oh, have to come so in and dumb. compete with this veteran that we have. And earn your spot and prove that you're better than this veteran that we have. Even though everyone knows Justin Fields is better than Andy Dalton and Mac Jones is better than Cam Newton at this stage in their careers. And Trey Lance may offer more actual upside than Jimmy Garoppolo. And the Jimmy Garoppolo. Trevor Lawrence has a ton more upside than Gardner Minshew. Of course, Lawrence is hurt again, so there's that. Uh, sad. I can't wait for this class to disappoint the same way that 2018 did. And then yeah. we're all like, what happened? Another thing that you should be wary of. Swift and Goff are building a nice rapport in practice. Player X is really comfortable with player Y. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, we don't need to know that DeAndre Swift is going to command literally every single target. They look real comfortable on fucking screen plays. Which is all they're going to run because they have no receivers on that hey, team. Uh, Monroe St. Brown. It's a great number two. Behind the nobody at number one, TJ yeah, exactly. Hawkinson. I can't wait for Hawkinson and Swift to lead this. I do. I do. I do like I'm, I, I do like St. Brown. We all know what his limitations are from an athletic standpoint, but someone's got to catch patches. Someone's got to be the new Terry McLaurin where there's no actual depth chart behind. Yeah, except don't expect the yak and the deep balls to St. Brown that you get out of McLaurin. Just, it's gonna At be least the Lions have a decent offensive line to give Goff a chance to throw it deep. Yep, and no defense, so I'll have plenty of chances to throw it deep. <laughs> exactly. Another thing you should be numb to. Giants quarterback pleads guilty to gun charges. COVID's <laughs> over. You're going to start. I didn't even put the guy's name in here because I don't remember it. It wasn't anybody significant. But COVID's over. NFL player's going to start acting a fool. Love it. Just I, I, like I can't wait for third player on the depth chart does something stupid and we're supposed to care about it. And if you listen to this show, one thing that we were going to shamelessly do, Roberto Aguayo has been released. A former second-round pick traded up for a second-round pick, Roberto Aguayo. It's been released from the Patriots. And what that references is that anytime there's an obscure player that we have had fun with in our past, liked in our past, didn't like in our past, etc., etc., it's cut from the back end of a depth chart. We're going to talk about it. <laughs> Just wait till you get all your Kalen Balage news. <laughs> somehow, Brad, somehow Brad Kaya shows up. Oh, my God. That, that play action, though. 
Yeah, I mean, this is where oh, you're going to get all of it. God, I was so bad. I mean, I'm still not good, but Jesus Christ. Uh, we'll keep the cliches coming every week because that's kind of a fun one to do to make fun of stuff. But Hell yeah. Yeah, in, in all seriousness, the only thing to take away there is that things are going well for Swift and Golf. Yeah, and you should not be concerned Which, about Jamal Williams uh, taking away uh, significant snaps. Yeah, Swift is uh, Swift will be just fine. He may not be a high in RB one this year, but the Lions don't need to wear and tear Swift this year when they're just trying to survive the twenty one season. They do not. So, Bears news broke today. I saw that. Um, they're looking at buying the old race course in Arlington Heights, and later on. Mayor Lori Lightfoot of Chicago released um, a statement about, you know, they're proud of their sports teams and the Bears are just using this as a negotiation tactic because they're talking about renovations to Soldier Field and we're going to do whatever we can to keep Chicago in the name, which first off, they moved Arlington Heights. It's still fucking Chicago. They're not changing their name. Yeah. But, you know, which brings up the argument again of sports and taxpayer revenue and politics and that crossing boundaries and you know for a private league should taxpayers really be on the hook ever for stadiums and stadium upgrades i guess the bears have released at soldier field until 2033 which i guess in a lot of those situations they kind of are on the hook because like the municipality or the city or whatever actually owns the stadium. And then the NFL teams just lease it and tax revenue and this and that and the other, but that's really a complicated scenario. You look at what went on with the Raiders in Oakland. You look at, um, you know, it's been really bad with the MLB in Oakland, the MLB in Tampa Bay, um, to try to get stadium deals done because the leagues want these facilities to be places that fans want to go. The teams want these facilities to be good for the players and to be state-of-the-art. The city wants these teams in their facilities because they make millions of dollars off of that lease. And they don't want them to relocate because of tax revenue, but the taxpayers don't want to put up the money to have its stadium built, and neither do most of the uh, people that represent those taxpayers. So how do you feel about that? Where's the... Where's the balance? You're an Illinois taxpayer. I'm an Illinois taxpayer. Just let them play. I just say just, just let them play where they want to. Who's like, responsible for the stadium? Unfortunately, it's going to be the taxpayers. It should be. I mean, you would hope it be the actual organization because they make so much more money off of it. And then actually... I mean, it's tough. Like it's, I know there's generally all like it's generally the state will help pay the teams itself will pay. And then you'll get the rest of it being paid from the people who live in the actual state through all the state taxes that come through. So I don't know who should pay it. It should be the teams, right? Like they're, they're, they're deciding on where they want to play, but I would think the state would want to have more involved because it can help drive up so much business. I mean, they're going to get tax revenue regardless, though. I mean, the only thing that's really in it for them is the lease, right? Because, I mean, even if the team is selling tickets, you you know, 
uh, beer, food, merch, whatever, I mean, you're still collecting sales tax. You're still collecting all of your taxes off of hotel stays, all of your taxes off of, you know, leisure. You'd be collecting property tax from them at that point because you don't own the property now. I mean, you know, I think that ultimately it's an entertainment business is what sports is and that, you know, taxpayer dollars should be out of it for the most part. And, you know, you're going to get tax revenue out of it regardless if you're the municipality, but, you know, the team should be on the hook for the stadium. Yeah. And the land and every other part of it and because the business, right? I mean, you know, the county isn't on the hook for the dairy freeze around the corner from me. It's no different. Exactly. All right. I want to look at some ADP. It's one of the last things we do on the show. I got it pulled up, too. I pulled up ADP calc. Okay. I'm on Fantasy Pros, so we'll see how close these are. Sure. Um, I'm going to look at quarterback first, I guess, and just see the order people are going. See what's surprising here. Aaron Rodgers going eighth off the board. Is that surprising? Is that where you'd expect him? Is this just, I mean, is this a I don't think overreaction? Been, I mean, I see on fantasy calc, he's only been drafted and like he's one of the least drafted quarterbacks amongst the top. I think there is some concern. And I think you'll see his ADP fluctuate the same way you'll see uh, Deshaun Watson. Watson will be a little bit more extreme. Yeah, with Rodgers, I think people. I think people just expect Rodgers is going to play. Yeah, it's either he's going to retire and be the next host of Jeopardy, of Jeopardy or he'll play, and then we'll see what happens in twenty twenty two. Yep. So in front of him, by the way, what's going in front of him is Mahomes, Allen, Murray, Prescott. Prescott going four. So I mean, guy you'd normally expect to be a value, definitely not going to be a value this year. Uh, There's a lot of court. What's shocking Jackson, is Jackson, Wilson, six, Herbert. In single QB leagues, there's six quarterbacks going in the first in the first five rounds. Mahomes going Which second, is insane. That's shocking. Josh Allen and Murray going in the fourth. This is per uh, fantasy calc. Hmm. Uh, a full point uh, single QB, but Jackson, Herbert, and De- and Dak all going in the fifth round. Hmm. It's there's a lot of quarterbacks going at early, which means you're going to see push value from other positions, and you're seeing guys like Jalen Hurst the seventh round. It's a great value. Ryan Tannehill in the ninth round might be one of the best value picks for a guy who's got a Konami code upside, and just added a guy and just had a fucking Julio Jones to his offense. Another guy that jumps out to me is somebody that could potentially be a single quarterback value right now is Carson Wentz. I mean, Wentz is a streamer, He's, like, right? Like it, it, he does still offer some rushing upside, especially like, now he's you know a couple years removed from his you know from his injuries. It's like Cousins Plus, but he's got a better offensive line. He's going to have a better team around him, and this is a guy that's been a top ten quarterback when he's been put in a position to succeed. So, I mean, yeah. the fact that he's the twenty second quarterback off the board is pretty freaking insane. I'm, I'm looking at. Jalen Hurts is the tenth as the tenth QB. What I'm saying that insane, like he's got he's got the QB one upside. Like people have to yeah. understand, Hurts has the QB one. He could have a Lamar Jackson 2019 type of upside to him. 
especially in that offense and then playing within that division. You got Tannehill as, as the QB 15 in, in, in the ninth round, and then a guy like Trey Lance, who is going to offer that high and you know, you know rushing uh, floor as that maybe second half QB that you can probably get for free because he'll probably go undrafted and then dropped. Yeah, at some point, you know, you know, in these single QB leagues, they're basically looking for high, high rushing floor with some sort of upside to them. Yeah, and some other guys that have upside that could be free that you look at drafting if you know you're trying to stash a streamer. Jameis Winston, 29th, yeah, damn near undrafted. Zach Wilson, 31st, damn near undrafted. He's going to be the starter. Zach Wilson is the one guy. There hasn't been smoke of meters around saying he's not going to start. Week one. Who is who is the backup? Who is the second quarterback? And I have. I'm, I'm going to look this no up. No idea. I'm, I'm going to look this up. But you know, you know, I, I also see, you know, Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones. There's he's a top five run. Like he's a top, top five, five rushing quarterback. Rushing quarterback. I mean, granted, he's not great, but they hmm. just, you know, he's got a healthy Evan Ingram. They, they brought in Kenny Galladay. They brought in Kadarius Tony. Like. And he's getting back Saquon Barkley. Like there yeah. is, there's a chance for Jones to actually pay off on his insane value. Like I won't say value, but insane. And, like he's got upside. Like he's got, you know, top. You know, he's got a QB one upside to him. And Sam Darnold's another guy I'll highlight. I mean, he landed in Carolina with an offense that's going to be fast paced. It's going to throw the football. You've got the best, and you've got people there that are going to demand that they throw the football. He's going to have Christian McCaffrey. He's going to have. DJ Moore, he's gonna have a, a a Robbie Anderson there. I mean, uh, Sam Darnold right now is the thirty second quarterback off the board, and he's in as good of a position to succeed at least as a passer is is anybody. He should be up in those teens and streaming ranges as well. Yeah, I mean, there is one there is one thing. So the Panthers are actually a pretty slow moving team. I mean, you have Darnold, who's not a fast, quick player. Bridgewater is a pretty like they weren't as fast paced as Bridgewater is very methodical at the line though too. He's very heady, yeah, and very. I mean, Darnold's got plays, some guns in there so. to him, but yeah, it's not going to like just don't expect like Cardinals pace. But Darnold, you know, again, there's going to be value in streaming, like there usually is in in single QB leagues. Mm-hmm. So find like don't reach, you know, don't, you know, don't reach on any of these quarterbacks don't reach on Mahomes. don't reach on allen murray prescott like there is like hurts is probably the best value in my opinion based on on these june on these june 80ps mm-hmm. and i i expect these correct themselves so at some point speaking of june 80ps i'm looking at running back and there's some things here too it's there it's there it's there it's there some good value too i'm gonna go to let me go to PPR. Are we doing PPR or half PPR? I do full because you I'll get generally full. a little more. Uh, you get a little yeah. more drafted players in full, so you get a little. So little see. right off the bat, Christian McCaffrey at the one hundred and one, given what he dealt with last year and the change at quarterback. I mean, full PPR that still makes sense, but you know, Cook Camara right on his heels. I mean, that's got to be a tier thing, right? I mean, that can't be a just he's that I mean, far I- ahead. Between him and Barkley. Barkley's like Kamara, down at five. Yeah. Like Barkley's one of the best values right now. Like there's there's that offense won't change. Like I think that offense will still funnel through him. Mm-hmm. Cook will be fine. 
Uh, Kamara, you, you do have to be a bit concerned with the change of quarterback. You're going from Keen checked out himself and Drew Brees to Winston, who likes to push the football. And Taysom Hill, who, you know, we get these mobile quarterbacks who want to run and sort of check it down. I'll be interested to see how Kamara does. Because mm-hmm. I'm I'm all in on a guy like Austin Eckler with Justin Herbert. You know, I, I you know, I expect you know, some big things from, you know, from Antonio Gibson, from Cam Akers. Like there is like, Aaron Jones back in Green Bay, Jones, Zeke again, Elliott. Like, I mean, Zeke exactly. should seventh running back off the board. There's actually some depth here at top. Joe Mixon's going 13th. And Joe Mixon, a guy who, if he can stay healthy and with the improved offensive line, hopefully improve if they all can come back healthy as well. Mixon mm-hmm. on that, on that offense, you know, being dubbed like, the Dallas of the AFC with no defense and a lot of offensive weapons mixing could be also in line to pay off very nicely at the 207 mm-hmm. at the RB 13 in these early, you know, these early ADPs. Yeah. Najee Harris at 16 is interesting. He's going to get volume. He's going to get volume. It's just that a lot team of was volume. so bad and they did nothing to address the interior offensive line that little eyebrow raising to see him ahead of, uh, you know, like a David Montgomery who came on big at the end of last year, a Chris Carson who's been very consistent, um, you know, a Mike Davis who's going to see volume. Talk about a value at running back, by the way, with nobody else behind him. Mike Davis is 27th. Mike Davis might actually fuck around and get 100 targets. He could. I got, I got Najee Harris at RB28 at the 5'11 right now. He's, yeah, I got him. I'm showing him a. Is RB sixteen, which is insane because I would take him. I still see James Robinson at the. He is twenty ninth per FF Cal because keep in mind player per, fantasy principles in composite FF Cal has him at at twenty ninth, which is by far the lowest. He's at ten on RT, twelve on ESPN, sixteen on Fantrax. I'm gonna pull up FF Cal. I think that that. That seems a little more accurate yeah. to what to expect, but you know, with Eckler, I love you know, uh, Clyde was a lair. It's become a value. He's like he's going to see more opportunity mm-hmm. with, and and, and, and he's going to be value again. Swift, he may not be an RB one, but he's going to get a lot of targets. Um, Damian Harris all the way down at RB thirty five. He'll be your, he'll be a, a great zero RB guy. Yeah, same thing I think for AJ Dillon, who could have some week to week value. Um, a guy like Javante Williams, who's going to have a shot in Denver. I like Naeem Hines and Gus Edwards, who I think have standalone value, and we'll see that increase if anything were to happen to the actual starters. Um. Um. Travis Etienne's in the same boat. Yeah. Travis Etienne's actually got, I think, more of a path upside, too, because it doesn't necessarily rely on something happening to James Robinson. Yeah. And he'll get the majority of the targets. Same thing for Michael, for Michael Carter all the way down at 42. And the Jets, who really just have a wide open race right now. Yeah. You want to take at least one shot at a Jets player. If it's not Carter, you have Ty Johnson, you have Tevin Coleman. If, if we expect this Jeff offense to be better this year, which they should be, mm-hmm. um, 
one of the whoever starts, whoever is the pass catcher in that offense, I think is one you want to uh, I, I keep an eye on through this offseason. Indeed. All right, looking at wide receivers. Um, some actually, I don't really see anything through the first twenty that is super eyebrow raising to me. No, I mean that's like, actually pretty okay. I mean, for what I've you know, Julio, I saw Julio as the wide receiver thirteen. I expect that to go down. Yeah, and I and I'm assuming Julio showing up at the at the fifteen is just because you're not it's June, so you're not fully adjusted to the trade yet. Yep. Through what's going through here. So I was kind of throwing that one out. Deontay Johnson at twenty one is the first one that gets a little bit eyebrow raising just because I don't think Pittsburgh improved that much. Um Tyler Lockett at twenty three will be a value again. DJ Moore at twenty four should be a value. So, I mean, I think that's where you start to get a little eyebrow-raising. Brandon Ayuk Brandon at 25 is definitely eyebrow-raising. Yeah. Juju at maybe at 27. Yeah. I, I would take Claypool over Juju. I, I mean, I, I love Juju, but I think uh, Pittsburgh's offense is just not, you know, with reports of him playing on the outside more, mm-hmm. that's going to push Deontay Johnson inside into the slot. Should be will, will be more preferred. So, um, am I seeing massive Bengals disrespect? Yeah, massive disrespect for for Bengals wide receivers. Higgins and Chase both Higgins. in the thirty range. I think it's probably and right. Boyd. They're all now. They're all down thirty one through 30 31, 34, and thirty six. Yeah, yeah. The fact that Chase is not above Higgins is a good thing. As Higgins but should still be the one. The fact this that year. Boyd's the last one taken out of the 32 is a little bit. LaVisca Chenault at wide receiver 43. Value. There is there is value here. Cortland Sutton at 28. Jerry Judy even, even at 38. Yeah. If you expect an uptick in this Denver offense, that's value. Um, Like usual, there's... It? Devonta Smith. Devonta Smith at everywhere. 41. I mean, there is value everywhere, yeah. Parker at 44. Rashad Bateman at 59. Gallup at 46. Oh, I'm sorry, but that's, that's Elijah Moore. I expect Moore to go up. I expect Bateman to go up. Corey Davis at 49. I mean, there's a lot of right now. And we'll keep an eye on these throughout the summer, but there's a oh, yeah, lot sure. of value to be had through the first 50 receivers. Like even Paris Campbell at 68, where there's no clear. I mean, T.Y.'s 52 and Pittman's mm-hmm. 47. There's no number one in that Colts offense. No one. There like there is no clear number one there. Elijah Moore, it's it's sixty one. And again, yeah. the Jets wide receivers are just like the running backs. Take a shot at one of them. Yep. But yeah, like the uh Brian Edwards at ninety three. He might be the latest alpha, like the, mm-hmm. the latest number one receiver. I mean, it might be John Brown out there in Vegas. But John Brown's going 63. Yeah. Brian Edwards is going 93. That's a 30 spot difference for a guy, for Brian Edwards, who profiles as a true alpha across the board. That's, that's, that's nuts. That needs to be fixed. You want to know what's nuts? Patriots best wide receiver last year and Nikhil Harry's hurt and Nikhil Harry got hurt again. Jacoby Myers, 105th. 
I don't know who's going to be the best. You, you're taking a shot on him. You're taking a shot. I, I mean, I take my shot I'm on taking a shot. Aguilar because they just paid him the money. I'm taking a shot on him with Edelman. Yeah. 65. Yeah. I mean, that's a camp I'm watching in terms of redrafts, you know, just to see who's number one and two. Who's going to be opposite of Kendrick or uh, the opposite of Nelson Aguilar? Is it going to be Myers or is it going to be Kendrick Bourne? Who they also paid more money than they should. Geronimo Allison has an ADP. He does. A hundred lot of ADPs. Yeah. I mean, Riley really does. 134. KJ Hamler all the way down at 145 after. Yeah, anyway. Keelan Cole, Jets number two, 152. Yeah, Dami Brown at 112. Yeah, just ask them. They'll tell you. Value. Hunter Renfro, Mr. Uh, Mr. Blanket himself, right next to uh, uh, Darren Waller at. At the cool 100 spot. So, yeah. again, like a lot usual, of value. A lot of value. So, tight ends. Pretty chalk for the first four to five. Logan Thomas is the first one I see that I'm like, whoa, he's ahead of Kyle Pitts. Yeah, Pitts should be. This seems way off. This should correct. The top three is right. Hawkinson and Pitts should be ahead of four Andrews. And yeah. And then Andrews should be at six with Thomas and him. Yeah, with Thomas, Henry, you don't know because the team change. Goddard, you, if you assume Ertz is going to be gone, is up there. Uh, yeah, I mean, tight end's not going to be deep, but it's not going to be. It's going to be another situation where there's not a ton of separation there. But you, I, I, I actually might like Tyler Higby this year. At tight end 16, he's actually decent value. Without Everett there anymore. Without Everett, you get Matthew Stafford. You get a little more potent, a little more vertical offense. The great defense, a lot of scoring opportunity. Tunyon at 17 had a huge year last year. Irv Smith with Kyle Rudolph out of town at 15. When you look at what New England wants to do, the fact that Hunter Henry is going above John Smith. Johnny's hurt again, Johnny too. should be. Oh, is he hurt? Okay. Hey, Johnny should be more of the... The vertical stretch where Henry is more of your third down. Pull the hammer. Uh, Everett in Seattle, tight end 28. Troutman, too, at 25. Those are both going to be worth a shot. There's uh, there's opportunity. Uh, Chris Herndon back, finally, with the more stable offense. Yep, Herndon, Tim Tebow, that hasn't taken off yet. Dawson Knox in Buffalo with a... With not a true uh, goal line back knocks. I mean, I mean, all you need for tight ends is, you know, three, four catches for 40 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. Knocks the best red zone threat outside of Diggs in Buffalo. There's some, there's some value there, too. I think Brandon McManus at the kicker 15, 16 is a little bit of a snub. <laughs> kicking there. <laughs> Look at a kicker news. Young Coho, uh, kicker three. Young Waiku. Young Waiku. You, you weren't even close. Nope, I'm saying Yun Ho Ko. I don't care. Um, Yun Ho. Yeah, a kicker news. No Cairo Santos either. The disrespect. Will Lutz, nine. And Tyler Bass at seven. That should be higher. I mean, yeah. Jay Tuck should always be. Dude, Jake one, Elliott's but... all the way down at 24 for some it's reason. That's because 
we don't trust. He's not as good as he used to be. I mean, Joey Sly. He was fantastic last year. Yeah. Huh. Defenses. I don't talk. We don't look at these enough. We don't. Uh, Rams up at one. That's fair. Washington. Washington at five is kind of a deal. A lot of sacks and turnovers for Washington with that insanely good front four. Yeah. It just seems about fair. It does. I do. I I do expect Minnesota's defense to be better. So twenty three should be a value. I expect the same way for the Bears. I think the Patriots being at ten is a little bit high. A little too much respect. Same thing with the Dolphins. Oh, the Dolphins out. Dallas at fifteen. It's definitely high. Yeah. Uh, Denver at fourteen. That could be a little bit of a steal, given what they've done. Yeah, a lot of young pass rushers there too. And the Chiefs, again, when you have the best offense in football, a lot of opportunity for turnovers. Texans, somehow not last. Detroit, somehow not last. I mean, I mean, the Raiders and Bengals and Jags are your bottom three. That's that's pretty that's pretty god awful. I mean, so let's look. So you have the Lions, the Falcons, Jags, Bengals, and Raiders are are behind the Texans. Uh you're apparently sexy. <laughs> oh, I'm not sexy. Yeah, with my nips out. Yep. Oh, I don't know what this is, but thank you. I appreciate it. We got anything else? Are we done? I think. Oh, we got a it. beer review. Yeah, I mean, I saw I saw some would you rather's. Oh, I made a dynasty trade too. By the way, let's talk shot. about your dynasty you, trade. Would you rather was just that. in case we needed to fill time. I wanted to make sure we got to an hour. We're at an hour, so. Perfect. So let's talk about our beers and let's talk about this trade I made with Sean. Do you want to do the, do you want to do the beer review first, or do you want to do the trade talk? Um, let's do the beer review first because you made a trade with Sean, and I think that I want to enjoy this beer review, and we'll just end on a bad <laughs> note. All right, I'll start then. Again, I am drinking Montgomery Brewing, which is out of Montgomery, Minnesota. This is their they're fruit monster. They're fruit with pH. This is a kettle sour with pink guava, raspberry, marshmallow, and lactose. This clocks in at 8%. Again, as you, what you should expect from a, a kettle sour or a sour beer with lactose added is going to be soft, somewhat balanced, somewhat tart, somewhat sweet with the fruits taking out the most. Um, Again, with marshmallow, you should just expect a, a little more vanilla with lactose is going to make it a little bit smoother, sweeter. Um, you get the tartness up front that leads generally to a smoother finish, more of a sweet rush. This isn't of your heavily fruited sours that are more like smoothies. This is still a, a true uh, kettle sour look with the fruits added. Overall, it's just... it. it 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 does what it's supposed to do. It's as advertised. It's nor mind boggling, mind blowing, great or or bad. So it's just a solid drink. So the strawberries are definitely in this beer. Um, as is the pH, but it, it, I mean it tastes like a tart strawberry. The vanilla does its job as far as balancing out the tartness of those strawberries. But I mean, it's juicy. It's that very strawberry forward. 
Um, not like artificial stra- strawberry sweetness or anything like that. Like it doesn't taste like a dum dum sucker or anything. It's just very strawberry so- forward. Fades into a nice soft tartness, if you will. Um, it, you know, it's not overly sour. It doesn't pucker lips or anything like that. Just fades into a, a real nice soft tart flavor. Um, in the vanilla, just it balances out nicely. Long strawberry on the finish. I mean, there's basically one flavor to this beer, and it's strawberry. It's good. It's a good summer drinker. A little on the sweet side. Yeah. Not shocking. Yeah. All right. So Dynasty Trade, because apparently this has become a minor segment in our last two podcasts. Yeah, it just means you got to keep making them. Maybe I should make them somehow. I mean, I've had some offers, but I traded. This is a single quarterback, single tight end. Pretty much your basic of your basic Dynasty leagues. Um. Half point PPR. Uh, you, I traded away George Kittle, and I got in return Hawkinson, okay. a twenty-two second and a twenty-three second. What are your thoughts? Single tight end Hawkinson definitely has Kittle type upside if he ever ends in an area where he gets targeted to that level or anything like that. Second you round get that this year probably. Second round picks. I mean. Sean figures to be relatively competitive. He's not got a deep team, but he definitely has talent. So you figure those are probably going to be more towards those are both. They're both his. So you figure that those are probably going to be more towards mid to back of the second round, probably. So, you know, I think draft compensation, maybe a little bit more, but you know, like I said, Sean's team's not deep. He's an injury or two away from being back in the shitter. So, a little bit of a gamble, but you know, definitely with single tight end, the variance isn't that much to be sad about. Definitely strikes me as a trade Sean would make because I could see him sitting there thinking that that clearly favors him, even though there's definitely scenarios where it does not. Yeah, so again, I'm back in Minnesota. Sean loves Minnesota. Sean and I had some beers and we talked about it. We generally try to do a trade when I'm up there. And That's how he gets guy, you. He he butters you up with beers, and then you actually trade with Satan. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so he's only wanted Kittle. Sean has got Watson and Burrow as his quarterbacks. So he's got he's playing with fire, you know, from that position. He's he's got no depth at running back. He's got a very good receiving core. Um, and he just won the championship this past year. Um. Obviously, Kittle is going to help. I don't think Kittle and Hawk are going to be that far apart this year. I don't either. It's what we expect to see from a Trey Lance-led offense with Hawk, or not with Hawk, with uh, with Kittle. A hopefully healthy Ayuk, a hopefully healthy Debo Samuel, a well, non-existent running game. But you have just yak monsters across the board. Uh, the running game will be existing. It's Kyle Shanahan. You're not going to look at it and say it's True. this guy, but the running game will definitely exist. You just don't know. I mean, you'll know kind of week in, week out, but you just don't quite know until some injuries occur, which always seems to happen with that Niners backfield. So I saw it as a a slight downgrade. You know, Kittle, we, we just expect will lead that team in mm-hmm. targets if all things remain the same. He'll lead, generally lead at least be top three in tight ends and yak. But with Hawk, with no wide receiver one in Detroit, then they're kind of in this in between spot because we 
you and I both know Goff isn't the future in Detroit. No. And that's where the problem lies in with Hawkinson is who's going to throw him the football within the next couple years. Goff's contract doesn't become a concern until 2022 where his out actually occurs. But they should figure it to be a bottom five team over the next couple of seasons. So we'll see who they draft in that within those spots and, and you know just where they land. So I don't see it as a big I, I try to get it first out of Sean. He wasn't about it. Um well, of course not, because that would have made the trade actually fair on paper. Actually per some of the trade calcs they use, I fleece the shit out of them. Yeah, I don't give a shit <laughs> about the trade yeah. calcs. But I mean, you know, getting two seconds, being able to be more flexible with those picks, use it to try to get better ins. I'm using those. I have three twenty. I have three second round picks in next year's draft, mm-hmm. trying to move up to get a running back for this year because I should compete even with Hawk instead of Kittle. So it gives me a little more flexibility having those seconds. Or there is value to them, especially if talent slips in these rookie drafts. So I'm fine with the pick. I'm glad that Sean was okay with adding that second, that other second on to it. So that's the trade I made. We'll hopefully have another one. I have some other talks. Slightly favors Sean, but at the same, in my opinion, but at the same time, um, this is when we could look back on after that 2023 draft and say that it was pretty even or you even want it. So, I mean, I feel pretty good. I mean, I don't feel too much of a difference. Because you're out here playing chess while the rest of us are playing checkers. Yeah, sure. Maybe. It's fine. <laughs> That's the show. Thank you guys That's for tuning in. I have no idea what we're going to do next week. We'll figure it out 20 minutes before the show. Um, usual. So, yeah. Take care, everybody. See ya. Don't be Cole Beasley. Please don't. Thank you.